brought to you by Fruitnet Media. This is Fruitbox. Hello and welcome to Fruitbox, Fruitnet's series of conversations about the fresh fruit and vegetable business with me, Chris White. Every week I talk down the line from here in London with people from across the world of fresh produce about some of the biggest issues they face today. I want these conversations to give you the best insight into how to do better business in fresh fruits and vegetables. This week, I want to talk about things here very close to home, about an initiative that's been working away quietly for years now here in London, the city I've lived and worked in for more than 30 years. We all know that London is the biggest city in Europe. It's home to almost 9 million people. London is at one of the same time one of the richest cities in Europe, and it's also one of the poorest. We have supermarkets, food shops, fast food outlets on every street in London, and yet we have tens of thousands of Londoners who depend on charitable handouts for their food. But these people aren't the homeless we see sleeping on our streets. Uh, They're the people who live what I guess we would call precarious lives, who make just enough money to get by. Often things are okay, very often things are not, and they go hungry if it wasn't for a network of individuals and organisations that now collects and redistributes surplus food from all those supermarkets and food shops and fast food outlets I mentioned a moment ago. One such organisation is called City Harvest London, and Dan McAlpine is their head of food, and he joins me on Fruitbox today. Dan, welcome to Fruitbox. Hi, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, Dan, tell us about City Harvest London. What, what does it do exactly? So City Harvest London is a charity. Uh, it was formed around seven years ago. Uh, and what it does, it provides the logistics between collecting or saving and rescuing surplus food from all parts of the supply chain. So everywhere from farms to wholesale to retail and and everything in between and it links it then to uh, at the moment over 350 frontline charities around the London area so we provide those charities with food to offer their uh, service users Uh, and by doing so because we offer it for free they're able to save money on their food bills so then they can spend that money um, on other vital services within their organization so Things like skills training, uh, back to work training, equipment and, and rent for their premises as well. And, and on average, we're saving them around £40,000 a year by providing them their food um, and some figures around that as well of what we do. As I say, 350 charities that we serve um, and we're giving out around one million meals per month at, at the moment. So we've, we've grown kind of exponentially since, since the first lockdown. I uh, I was uh, shocked when I heard those numbers for the first time, one million meals uh, a month. So many people depend on organisations like yours, like City Harvest. Uh, are numbers growing all the time of people who do depend on you? Yes, unfortunately so. I think we, as an organisation, would like not to exist. Um, you know, that we... we we're linking surplus food, which we don't want to have, and people that are hungry, which we don't want to have. So we I mean, locked down COVID 2020 was a real kind of step change in, in the service we provide. So at that time, we were providing around 300,000 meals per month. 
um, to, to charities. Uh, and that pretty much doubled overnight in March 2020 to around 600,000. We were having food from the supply chain um, that was being delivered to us by the truckload every single day from hotels and restaurants and everywhere apart from the, along the supply chain. And our charity's need uh, grew with that. So the need of the charity still very much outweighs the supply of food that we are, are giving. Um, but we, we account for about 11% of the need in London by delivering 1 million meals a month. So you can see there's plenty of room to kind of grow there um, and plenty of need still unaccounted for in London. Now, now the idea of, of redistributing surplus food, I mean, it makes a, a huge amount of sense, much better that it, it doesn't go to waste. But the big problem surely for you is that you can never be absolutely sure what you're going to be collecting from one one week to the next. Is, is that right? It certainly is. And as, as head of food, it is the thing that keeps me up at night, the continuity of our supply. So as you can imagine, we've grown, we've doubled in the last year. Our, our services have doubled, our need for our services has doubled, but the food um, within the supply chain is now becoming less and less as the supply chain becomes back to back to relative normality as it was kind of three years ago the amount of surplus food that is available and out there is getting harder and harder to reach and get to um, but the need so the watermark of the need is still very very high and growing with the cost of living crisis that is about to hit the UK. So the amount of food you're getting is reducing and the number of people who are wanting the food is increasing. Now, at City Harvest London, you've just launched something called Harvest for Hunger. Explain, what is that? So I'm really excited actually about this, about this initiative. It's in its second year now. And what we try and do is we use our services of food redistribution to try and um, unlock food further up the supply chain. So at your growers, your packers, uh, your importers level. Um, we completely understand that these organisations, these farms, they, they have paper-thin margins. They don't want the surplus, but it's eventuality of their, of the kind of, um, their production lines. So it could be brought about by the weather. It could be brought about by... By a specification change. Yeah, exactly. Specifications and um, the retailer potentially changing the goalpost maybe last minute if it's, uh, again, a change in weather and nobody wants to eat salad at the weekend anymore because it's uh, now raining. Um, we have now a whole field of, of lettuces that either get ploughed back into the ground or are sat within a um, packing facility. So we like to kind of get embedded within the organisation um, so that they could use us as a service to provide that food, that nutritious quality food, to people that need it. So we will be able to give that out to, again, our 350 frontline charities um, over, over the 12 months that we run the campaign. And just, some again, some stats on that, Chris, if I have um, a bit of time. So we've got um, 11 amazing partners at the moment. So we have 11 farms, importers, packers that give to us on a regular basis. And last year managed to rescue over 600,000 meals from that part of the supply chain. And, and this year, we're, we're aiming for around 2 million to, again, keep up with the demand of our, of our frontline charities. And these are some, some big names, some well-known names, aren't they? 
They are. I mean, we've got places like Cheese Fresh who, who you know, cover a lot of the UK and, and parts of Spain as well. We've got DPS and the Ethical Food Company who give us on a regular basis a lot of imported fruit. Um, and we have Avalon Growers, who are part of Newling and Avalon Growers, who they were actually our, our first uh, food donor back in um, March last year. And since they, we've developed the partnership with them and because they're a a group of growers that feed into a centralised location. They have a lot of fruit going through their business every single day and they're able to spare 12 full bins of pears for us every single week of which we go and collect um, and then we sort and grade the stock ourselves and we return the empty bins the following week um, for for refill and, and, and that is going every single week. So you want to make, and you already have some, but you want to make more, uh, better, stronger, more sustainable connections with businesses in in fresh fruits and vegetables. How do you see that happening in in future? Well, as as a kind of food redistribution charity, we we're not taking the approach of a kind of cap in hand approach. We are a charity; we need the food. However, what we like to do is build ourselves within to the system of that organisation, so it becomes part of the process that they. Uh, donate stock it might be surplus stock but it might be a charitable donation so maybe an overproduction they produce for us on a on a weekly basis and that really gives us the continuity of supply that we can then build upon and, and kind of grow our services and have a stable base for which to grow so yeah we of our 11 farms we're looking to increase that you know kind of by about another five to ten this year but we would like to build ourselves within in that um, organisation so we can we can get a regular amount of surplus coming our way. And you, you discussed a, a moment ago about uh, getting food from hotels and, and restaurants and so on and, and wanting to go further down or up the supply chain, I, I guess. Um, but in that supply chain, over the last decade, fresh produce businesses have really focused on eliminating cost and therefore waste from their supply chain. Um, so I guess in some ways you're a bit kind of dependent on things going wrong. Uh, and although it can happen, it probably happens less and less so these days. Uh, and, and in any case, just because you're on the poverty line shouldn't deny you access to good quality food either, should it? Should it? So don't you just have to adjust your strategy when it comes to fresh fruits and vegetables to try a different angle? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. The, this kind of surplus offering... Um, it used to be called kind of, I suppose, wonky veg, but there is now a market for wonky veg within supermarkets, which is the right thing to do. And we've seen surplus, as it's called, over the last five to 10 years, reduce from around 10% um, down to less than less than 1% of what the farm produces. So yes, we're, we're changing our tactics where we can actually approach the farms with a, a package. Um, so we offer kind of volunteer days where you can come down and, and see our site we 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 take the time and we think it's important to go and see the farms themselves so we send a team up there and spend a day at the farm um, working with the team and the farm managers to walk to walk around the organization have a look where there's potential surplus or if not surplus then uh, charitable donations that they could make on a weekly or a monthly basis again, to just give us that continuity. Um, we found that works works really, really well, I think, especially at that part of the supply chain. 
having the kind of face-to-face contact is really, really important. And we just haven't been able to do that for the last two years due to kind of lockdown restrictions. But now they're kind of easing and lifting again. Um, me and, and the team are heading out to these places and uh, we're learning a lot as well. So it's um, it's a kind of education piece for all, really. So, so I guess the, the message to fresh produce businesses here in, in Britain and perhaps elsewhere is that they should think about donating, let's say, a, a pallet of produce to, to City Harvest London and, and suppliers in other parts of the world about supplying, who are supplying the UK could, for example, allocate at least some of the fresh produce they send here to an organisation like City Harvest. Is that, is that what you hope for? Yeah, that would be the ideal partnership. Um, it shows commitment from, from their side, but also we will then be able to, to um, give them back through, I say, volunteer work, but also through impact statements as well. So we produce, we collate all our information together and we can say on a, a monthly or a quarterly basis exactly how many meals they've been able to produce for us and report that back in a, um, a lovely document that they can then use internally or externally to kind of showcase their CSR um, work that they're, they're doing. So there's, it's certainly a kind of quid pro quo where it's not just giving to charity. There's certainly things we can do for the organisations as well. Dan, thank you. Uh, our 15 minutes are already up and that's all we've got time for today on Fruitbox. I was joined down the line from here in London by Dan McAlpine, who's the head of food at City Harvest London. Dan, Dan thanks so much for joining me today on Fruitbox. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Now, I, I can't finish without uh, telling you that at the start of this year, I was asked to join City Harvest, uh, City Harvest London's Food Council, to help connect it with the businesses I know in fresh fruits and vegetables. It's a huge honour for me, especially because I get to do my bit to help people in need in my hometown here in London. So if you want to connect with City Harvest London, you can also talk to me. Uh, And even better, talk to me if you want to become a regular donor of fresh fruits and vegetables to City Harvest London to help feed people here in need in this wonderful city. You can find today's conversation with Dan and the many others I'm having here at Fruitbox on our website, fruitnet.com. I share every episode of Fruitbox on my profile on LinkedIn, so do connect with me there too. Post any comments you uh, have on on what you've heard, and please do reshare my post with your followers too. Uh, And don't forget to let me know what issues you want to hear discussed here on Fruitbox. Do stay tuned and continue to make Fruitbox your regular weekly listen. That was Fruitbox, and this is Chris White. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. To sponsor a future episode, please email advertising at fruitnet.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Fruitnet Live. And don't forget you can keep up to date with all the latest fresh produce industry news at fruitnet.com.